Wow, so much to discover in one's chart, right? Yeah, we. Uh, it's almost yeah. endless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then a question before we move to karma, it's a question that we uh, we have to ask, because when we do readings, it's the question that everyone asks us, how about my love life? So we call that Saturn and the city. So we were really curious how you would explain like the influence of Saturn on your love life or maybe also like Saturnian love, because on the one hand, you would say Saturn is longevity and it's stamina and you together forever and you might want to do the hard work but on the other hand it's also dry it's also vata (laughs) so (laughs) what 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 is your perspective on that well (laughs) (laughs) take a deep breath (laughs) yes exactly this is cosmic cocktails a colorful space where we mix and match Ayurveda, Vedic astrology, and dream yoga to test how we can best navigate through all tastes of life, even the bitter. From sacred mantras and saturnial remedies to planetary outfits and karmic breakups. Welcome, everyone. Today we have a very honorable guest in our studio, Dr. Robert Swoboda. He's basically the Beyonce of Ayurveda and Vedic astrology and someone we've been watching and learning from and listening to for many, many hours. So it's incredible to uh, to speak with him. Now, in our studio, right here, right now, there is seriously nothing this man does not know from the Vedic text, seriously, every little detail or Sanskrit word or myth you ask him and uh, he knows. He's the first Westerner ever to graduate from a college of Ayurveda and licensed to practice it in India. Um, he's tutored in so many things like Ayurveda, yoga, Jyotish, Tantra and much more, all by his own mentor Vimalananda. And from own experience, we can highly recommend to visit his website www drsvoboda.com or go to his teachable website where he has many many courses on the topics of Ayurveda and Jyotish Um, I can tell from own experience uh, I really like it and yeah follow him on social media to stay up to date about uh, all these topics so let's dive right into it so welcome Dr. Svoboda as Eva already said it is an absolute honor to have you in our podcast today Since you are one of our main teachers when it comes to Ayurveda and Jyotish, I think Eva has at least 10 of your online courses (laughs) (laughs) that she still needs to finish. But yeah, that's just a small detail, but that is how obsessed she is with you. (laughs) Today's topic is the planet Saturn and its relationship to karma. And in our eyes, you are the best person to talk about this subject since you wrote the books The Greatness of Saturn and The Law of Karma, which we both have on our nightstand. We would like to talk about Saturn specifically because we think that this planet is one of our greatest teachers in modern day life and especially teaches us how to live with reality instead of illusion. It's all about our tendency to avoid confrontation and discomfort, which we all do (laughs) at all costs. And 
he also teaches us why we find it difficult to face our fears. But we all know that sooner or later, we will have to face it, whether we like it or not. But as you always say, which I really like, um, if you don't live with reality, then reality will come to live with you. So that's something we would really like to, to talk about with you, how this works, reality. What is reality? Um, so the first question is, who is Saturn? And what can you tell us about him? Well, I think even before I get to Saturn, probably it's it's good to just talk a little bit about astrology. Um, lots of people, uh, I think, in not just in India, but in many places, when they think of astrology, they think that the planets are doing something to them. And I suppose if from one perspective, you could say that the planets are doing something, but really what's happening is that the, the, the planets are there always trying to display their own tendencies. So the Venus is always trying to focus on art and it will try to make anyone that it can influence focus on art and enjoyment and things like that. And Jupiter is always trying to focus on learning and uh, philosophy and um, spiritual development and things like that. So it's not it's not so much that the the planets are sitting on <clears throat> on top of us trying to force us to do things. It's that according to our own karmas and and your the horoscope of the time that you're born, your birth chart, what that is is a map of your karmas at the time you were born. Mm -hmm. So that's an indication of what kind of karmas you have brought into this lifetime and what kind of things you were going to have to experience as a result of those karmas. Now, in India, many people believe that there is that everything is written down in the horoscope and there's no such thing as free will. And in other places, people believe that there is no such thing as fate because there is only free will. And the way I've been taught is that it's a combination of the two and that you can use astrology, if you know how to use it, to determine the amount of free will you might have at one time with regard to one uh, aspect of life. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the planets will not be very insistent that you that your life will go in a particular way, then you will have more free will. And sometimes the influence of all the different influences, because it's not just the planets, it's the houses, the area in the sky where they're located. It's the constellations, the stars with which they are associated. Sometimes what happens, all of these factors 
collaborate together to cause something in your life to behave as if it was fate that you could not avoid. Mm -hmm. So the influence of Saturn is very much often to cause you to experience things that you would like to avoid, but you can't avoid. Mm -hmm. And most of those things are disappointing (laughs) because Saturn is all about disappointment. Yes. Um, Saturn indicates diseases of all kinds. So it's, you want to do something, but then you get sick. That's disappointing. Mm -hmm. Saturn indicates old age. And I am much older than I used to be. And the older I get, the more I am aware that it is, on the one hand, fortunate not to be dead. And on the other hand, it's a lot more work to stay alive than when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And also, as you get older, lots of other people die. And that's disappointing. And then ultimately, Saturn also represents the thing that is most disappointing to most people and only really satisfying to a few people. And that is when you yourself die. So Saturn, it, Saturn's job is to make people experience things that if they if they if they were living in some kind of heaven world they might not have to experience but we're not living in that kind of world we're living in a world in which there are many difficult influences and saturn is always trying to make us prepared and willing to accept those influences and try to improve them the best way we can, but to understand that ultimately manifested life is is not that satisfying. So that's what Saturn tries to do. That's why nobody really likes the influence of Saturn. (laughs) (laughs) But Saturn has to be somewhere in the horoscope because you they're they're just in in embodied life there are certain things that you just cannot avoid mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. so would you also say that depending on which house of course saturn then is in and also maybe uh taking into account of course the constellation or the sign or the nakshatra um How does the influence differ then? Um, Yes, and this is is where Jyotisha becomes complicated Um, because Saturn, on the one hand, you want Saturn to be, you you don't want any planet to be very weak, but you especially don't want the malefic planets to Mm -hmm. be weak. The malefic planets are the planets 
that are going to cause some kind of trouble. So that's Saturn, Mars, Rahu, the north node of the moon, Ketu, the south node of the moon, and the moon when it is very weak, and Mercury when it is conjoined with Saturn, Mars, Rahu, or Ketu. So that's a lot of malefics. Even the sun, the sun is not a malefic, but it's called a krura graha. <laughs> krura is the same word almost as cruel. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, the sun is rarely cruel in the Netherlands, but the sun is frequently <laughs> cruel in India, here in South, in East Texas. The sun is is frequently very cruel. You you never think of the sun as being a friendly planet like you do with the full moon or Jupiter or Venus. So you, uh, one of the principles of Jyotish is you, you, want, you don't want the malefics to be very weak because then they will behave, they will misbehave even more. Mm. It's sort of like if you have someone who is a, not such a nice person, you, you want them to feel, you, you don't want to have to deal with them any more than you need to, but you want them to feel like they are at least okay. And if they feel okay, then maybe you'll be able to avoid them mostly. Mm-hmm. But if they feel weak, then they may decide that they want to come and rob you or kidnap you or something like that to make themselves feel stronger. Yeah. So we definitely want Saturn to be strong, but he is still Saturn. So if he is too strong, he can still create a lot of problems. And and it's often difficult to it's often difficult to decide whether it is better to have him strong in the wrong house or weak <laughs> in the right house. Yeah. But that's because he's Saturn. So, um, and it is the nature of Saturn to be, uh, to cause disappointment. So uh, Richard Nixon, for example, became president of the United States because of his Saturn. So Saturn was able to give him this, he became the most powerful man in the world for a few years. But because Saturn rules disappointment, he also had to resign from being the president. So Saturn brought him up and Saturn also brought him down. Mm. When, it, when it comes to do, Saturn can do a couple of good things for you. If Saturn is in a good location and if he is a good planet for you and if he is activated at the right moment, he may be able to help you make money. He may be able to help you um, become to gain a position, uh, especially in in government, because Saturn in the positive, the positive side of Saturn is that he can make you very disciplined. He can make you uh, uh, not so much interested in indulging. He can make you more um, 
more of a renunciate type in a positive way if he's well um, if he's well positioned. He can cause you to be he can cause you to uh, get a lot of work done in a positive way. He is not going to improve your health. He is not going to, um, he is not, it will be very difficult for him to make you happy. If he is well positioned, maybe he will not make you unhappy. (laughs) But he's not a planet that has much of a sense of humor. Mercury has a sense of humor. Yeah, Jupiter and Venus, Moon, have senses of humor. Saturn does not have a sense of humor. So there's <laughs> there are a couple of good things that Saturn can do, but they are related to the material world. And the other good thing that Saturn can do is, hopefully at the right time in life, is make you renounce the world. Uh, my Jyotish teacher used to say that there are three planets that will cause you to become really and truly spiritual. Mm-hmm. And of course, you they have to be supported by other factors. Otherwise, you will pretend you're spiritual, but you won't really be. Mm. <clears throat> and the first planet for that is Jupiter, because you will read spiritual books and you will go to meet gurus and you will visit holy places and you will automatically develop a healthy spiritual life. That's number one. Number two is K2. And that's the South Node that's represented by a serpent that has no head. And that's the kind of thing that will make you suddenly change your mind and go if it if you were destined to go in a spiritual direction it will cause you to do that sometimes very dramatically you will go to sleep at night thinking i believe tomorrow i will rob the bank and the next morning you will wake up and you will think you know i think better than robbing the bank i will go live in a hut in the jungle and give up everything <laughs> so you go completely from one side to the other but it seems totally rational to you. And the third planet, (laughs) sorry. It sounds like K2, yeah. (laughs) Yes, totally like (laughs) And the third planet that will make you spiritual is Saturn. But Saturn will do it by disappointing you. So you will rob the bank, you will get caught, you will be convicted, you will go to jail. Yeah. (laughs) And you'll be in jail for several years where you can meditate all day long. Yeah, I see. And, yeah. and you will have a by the end of that time, if you were if you're the rest of your horoscope agrees, you will have a strong spiritual practice. But because you were isolated, because you were confined, you weren't allowed to do what you wanted to do, you were forced to be in a particular situation. So Saturn can do that, but I mean, he's going to do it in such a way that you will feel that you are being deprived of something. And you have to find a way to to deal with that feeling. Our teacher once said, it's better to have a gangster in a gangster house. Yes, it is. 
You can, exactly. yeah, it's better to fight for you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, and that's the thing. You want the gangster to feel like that he is strong enough that he can go fight somebody else yes. and not that he's weak. And then he thinks, well, the only person that I can actually um, actually cheat and steal from is my landlord because he is very weak. <laughs> so, yes, we want we want Saturn. So so we always want to do things to encourage Saturn to behave the best possible way. And my Jyotish mentor, who um, uh, was a brilliant man when it came to Jyotish, he always said the other eight grahas, the other eight planets, they're important. And if you pay attention to them, that is good. But they're really, in Jyotish, there is only one planet, and that planet is Saturn. So if you know about the other ones, that's great. But you should first know about Saturn. Wow. Mm -hmm. And how then can we encourage, as you said, or how we support or embrace Saturn? Because as our teacher also says, if you learn to embrace the lessons that Saturn is here to give you, actually... Uh, it can be a beautiful thing, but because we don't like discomfort, as we said in the intro, we we try to move away from it uh, as much as we can. So how can we, yeah, what are the remedies for Saturn or how can we like welcome him more into our lives in a positive way? Well, the <clears throat> the best way to do that is to show Saturn that you are willing to do what he is asking you to do. So he's asking you to restrict yourself. So if you willingly restrict yourself in some way and you say, oh, Saturn, I am willingly restricting myself because this is what you were calling me to do, then he may be willing to make his influence on you a little bit less. So Saturn, for example, rules Saturday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Saturday is a good day to do something that will be restrictive for yourself. Maybe you can restrict your diet in some way. It doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to be such a dramatic restriction that you will feel um, that it will damage your health. You don't have to only live on air. You could have water only, or you could have juice only, or you could have one food only. You Just some way that you show Saturn, because Saturn is very dry, and as you mentioned, very vata-provoking. So it, you, you, want to, you want to do, on that Saturday, do something that, that is has the same sorts of attributes as Saturn. So that's not the ideal day to go out and eat a giant meal and have a, uh, a, a lot of fun because that's not what Saturn is interested in. So that's a good day to restrict yourself by eating in some way. It's a good day to perform service because Saturn represents servants of all kinds. So if, and especially serving people who are Saturnian kind of people, 
And Saturnian people are people who are isolated. They're in hospitals, or that maybe they are in a sanatorium, or maybe they are in jail, or maybe they are in a monastery. Mm-hmm. So people who are outside normal society. So one one way my mentor said is, suppose on Saturday you go to a monastery, and this monastery is in a place where there is a lot of there are trees around there, but there in addition to the trees, there's a lot of dead branches and so on. Saturn represents death. So if you clean the dead branches away at the monastery on Saturday, then you have three Saturnian influences that you were respecting. It's Saturday, it's the monastery, and there you're moving away dead things so that the people at the monastery will have a, a space that is better for them. Mm. So things like that. Uh, and, and of course, you may not have a monastery nearby, but you may have old people because Saturn represents old people. So maybe you will bring some food to an old person, or maybe you will serve them by cleaning their, uh, their, their flat or their house. The most important thing is to to recognize that um, that that Saturn is very stern, and so you want to be very polite and very disciplined and very humble. The more humble, the more humility that you have, the better that Saturn will be. That better that Saturn will appreciate your offering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the influence of Saturn, is there a difference when Saturn is either your soul planet or Apmakarka, when it's often in your your first house or when you're born on a Saturday? Like, does it differ? Well, all of these things are, um, all of these things are sig- significant. And, you know, for a planet to be your, Atma Karaka, uh, and 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 that means the the thing that indicates the nature of your personal soul. Um, that that depending on you, that may that might be a good thing because after all, the soul is not usually embodied. The soul is not interested in all kinds of enjoyments and rich food and and uh lots of uh lots of entertainment and sex and so on the soul is much more interested in meditating quietly on the absolute the supreme reality so as the atma karaka saturn might be useful um saturn in the first house is can be useful. The Indian emperor Akbar, who was one of the greatest emperors in history, had Saturn and Venus together in his ascendant. And and Saturn was exalted. So Saturn is exalted in Libra, and Venus owns Libra. 
So this created a giant, what we call Raja Yoga. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he was a literal king. Raja means king. On the other hand, and, and he's well known, he achieved so many things. I have a friend who has Saturn exalted in the ascendant, but Venus, instead of being in the ascendant in its own constellation, is instead in the 12th house in Virgo debilitated. Yeah. Yep. So it's just a difference of one house and one and one constellation. Mm -hmm. But she has had chronic vata aggravation for decades and has found it difficult to sleep and has found it difficult to achieve things in life because that exalted Saturn is does not have the support of the planet that owns hmm. uh, Venus, the planet that owns the house in which Saturn is exalted. I would say that most of the time, having Saturn in the ascendant is a big challenge. Most people will say, and I think this is probably true, that it is better to have Saturn in a house that is called an upacheya house. Yeah. Upacheya yeah. means a house where things improve. There are four houses in which things improve. The third, the sixth, the tenth, and the eleventh. Saturn in the tenth is challenging because it influences, and this is a special uh, Jyotish kind of influence, it influences by aspect the 12th, which means it will exhaust you. The seventh, which means it will cause trouble to everybody who is not you. <laughs> and the fourth, which means it will cause you a lot of emotional anguish. Mm -hmm. So even though that is sort of an Upacheya house, I would rather see Saturn in the third, the sixth, or the 11th, because there are two factors about Saturn that is worth knowing. And one is that Saturn, it is said, Saturn delays, mm. but it will not deny. Yeah. So Saturn usually will give you some results, but it will do so very slowly because it, it signifies delay. And the other thing is that Saturn is said to benefit the house that it sits in. It is not good for Saturn's aspect or drishti to fall on a house. It will damage those houses. But being a gangster, it will <laughs> keep its own house in relatively good order. Yeah. Because it's its own house. And naturally, it is very, it is a gangster. It's very possessive. So wherever Saturn sits, and it is always said in Jyotish that all planets are good in the 11th, okay. because the 11th relates to gains and to friends and to emerging from isolation. The 12th house is isolation. The 11th negates the 12th, so it's emerging from isolation. The Lord of the 11th, 
is sometimes a disease-causing planet, but the 11th house is a good house for a planet to be in. So Saturn in the 11th is going to challenge your health to some degree because it's aspecting onto the ascendant. It's aspecting onto the eighth, which is the house of a house of longevity and a house of chronic disease. But at least it is in the 11th. So you will be able to have friends and money and they will help you with your disease and your longevity. Wow, so much to discover in one's chart, right? Yeah, we uh, it's almost yeah. endless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then a question before we move to karma, it's a question that we uh we have to ask because when we do readings, it's the question that everyone asks us. How about my love life? So we call that Saturn and the city. So we were really curious how you would explain like the influence of Saturn on your love life, or maybe also like Saturnian love, because on the one hand, you would say Saturn is longevity and it's stamina and you, together and, forever. And you might want to do the hard work, but on the other hand, it's also dry. It's also Vata. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what, what is your perspective on that? Well, <laughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I think, first of all, it's important to remember that in Jyotish, when, when you're looking at someone's uh, horoscope, ultimately, the, the, the ascendant represents that person the face that that person shows to the world. The seventh house represents everybody who is not that person, including especially their significant other or spouse or husband or wife or whatever, whoever that may be, the most important other person in their life. And sometimes in Jyotish, some planets are friendly with one another. Some planets are neutral. Some planets are enemies. It is never the case that the first Lord and the seventh Lord, in any horoscope, they are never friends. They may be neutral, but often they are enemies. So, especially when we look at the Cancer Ascendant, the seventh house is That's us. Capricorn, <laughs> yeah. which is ruled by Saturn. Yes. And when you look at the, the Leo Ascendant, the seventh house is Aquarius, which is ruled by Saturn. So a person who has a Cancer Ascendant, Cancer is a watery sign, Cancer is an emotional sign. Saturn, it, it doesn't matter who they get in, involved with. That person, even if that person is a very emotional and, and watery kind of person, they will be less emotional and watery than the Cancer Ascendant person. And relatively speaking, the Cancer Ascendant person will feel like that that their partner is dry 
and astringent and keeping them from doing anything <laughs> and not opening their heart and not communicating and not relating. And yeah. yeah. And with Leo, Leo is the sun. The sun is shining out. The sun is very, and the sun wants to display how, how impressive the sun is. And anybody the sun is involved with, that person will always be mm-hmm. grabbing hold of the sun and squeezing it and saying, you're not so magnificent, really. And <laughs> there are these limitations you have. And you don't have to try to shine out all the, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let's keep it real. Yeah. 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 But exactly. So there's always, always in those cases, Saturn is always going to have, because the sun and the moon, they are light and Saturn is darkness. Mm-hmm. But it is also, of course, the case that even for other ascendants, the influence of Saturn can cause challenges in the relationship. And one thing I think that it's very useful to remember is that there are three planets that are separatives. They tend to separate you from other people, especially when one or two or sometimes all three of them are combined together in some way. And those three planets are the sun and Rahu and Saturn. Hmm. So Saturn is exactly the sort of planet, even if, if Saturn is involved in a relationship, even if you want to spend more time together, you will end up spending less time together because Saturn will be creating disappointment. He will be creating separation. He will be creating distance. And so it it is here especially that when Saturn is involved somehow or another in a relationship, it is very important to understand the fact that this is the nature of Saturn. And you have to, have, and here is where it's useful to know about the principle of Deshaz, et cetera, of the timing. So if you know that someone is going, that you might want to be involved with, is someone whose Saturn is negatively influencing you and maybe negatively influencing you for the next 19 years, which is how long <laughs> Saturn's Desha goes on, it is possible that it will be better for the two of you to remain friends and actually become involved with somebody else. Because otherwise, 19 years is a long time to be to have this sort of ongoing (laughs) challenge, relentless disappointment and separation and so on. But you will learn to deal with reality. Uh, Well, we (laughs) hope you will. I mean, because there are still people who will, who will, uh, you know, resolutely refuse to accept reality, no matter how much reality comes and beats them over the head with a hammer. (laughs) But if if you understand, and, and this is, of course, in a way separate from astrology, you, you understand that there is a, you feel a karmic connection to this person that you feel now is the time that ne- it needs to be addressed. And you see that Saturn's involved and you, and then you think about, well, how can we positively 
How can we minimize the negative influence of Saturn? So then maybe you find ways to structure your lives so that you are actively separated for periods of time. Mm. So now you're not asking Saturn to separate you. You're saying we're separating ourselves. <laughs> you don't have to do it. <laughs> and then you can do things. You, you can perform seva. You can perform service of some kind together. You can be wow. disciplined together. You can you know, there all kind. You can be disciplined to study. You can be disciplined to work. You can find things that you can do that will that that will represent. Because what Saturn, the the influence of Saturn wants the wants you to be responsible and disciplined and hardworking and so on. And if you are responsible, disciplined, and hardworking, then that means that influence is going to affect you negatively to a much less degree than if you're trying to uh, expand and be happy all the time. It's going to feel worse because it's going to be imposed from the outside and it's something that you're not willingly accepting. Well, that's a beautiful bridge to karma, right? But maybe also for our listeners, eh? because we know the concept of karma, but here in the West, and also a lot of our friends still make jokes about karma, you know, like everyone knows the saving karma is a bitch, but we take it really seriously. So how would you explain karma to someone who might not even believe in it? Well, <laughs> I think the, the main thing, for me, the main thing is that karma is a basic, a basic principle of the universe. Uh, Isaac Newton uh, had uh, established law, various laws of motion, and his third law of motion is that any action will induce an equal but opposite reaction. And that is, that's the simplest way to describe the law of karma. Everything that you do is going to create a reaction. If you do something that is generally benign and is benefiting someone or something, then there's a good chance that the reaction will benefit you. If you do something that is very selfish and very possibly hurtful to other someone else, then there's a good chance that ultimately uh, the effect of that action is going to be disappointing and possibly hurtful to you. The problem is that It is rarely possible to know what reaction is coming from what action, mm -hmm. uh, especially because one of the principles that um, is basic to Jyotisha is that each one of us has been reincarnated many times, and, and not just as a human maybe as a plant or an animal. And 
during these lifetimes, we have performed many karmas. And by this, def- and, and in this context, the definition of karma is an action with which you, as an individual personality, identify. Mm-hmm. So my mentor, Vimalananda, used to say, if you were able to learn how not to identify with your actions, nothing that you did would be a karma. He used to say, if you write a check for 10 million rupees and you do not sign it, that's just a piece of paper. Mm. If you write a check for 10 million rupees and you sign it, suddenly you're obligated to come up with 10 million rupees. And the only difference is you have said, I guarantee, by signing the check, you're saying, I guarantee I will pay this much money. So you're personal, you have personally entered into the equation. So it is very difficult to perform actions without identifying with them. And so most people identify with their actions and they accumulate a lot of karmas that they have identified with and they probably do not remember even one-tenth of one percent of what they have done and identified with. And all of that karma accumulates in a place called the karana sharira or the vidnana mayakosha. And uh, the karana sharira, Vimalananda used to call the causal body mm-hmm. and that that all of those karmas from all of the past lifetimes gathered together is called sanchita karma sanchita means gathered together and at any one moment only a certain percentage only a certain number of those karmas will be ready to have for you to experience their reactions. Just for example, suppose you um, suppose you stole a horse from someone. At some point, a horse must be stolen from you, maybe, but maybe not a horse. Maybe it was a vehicle. A horse was the vehicle at that time. Maybe it will be a car this time. But it may have you may have to wait until you and the person you stole the car from and a vehicle of yours that that person can steal, that (laughs) may all have to be in the same place. And that's why we have time and space because the results of all karmas don't happen all at once. So the results of the karmas that are going to come to fruition, that are going to be ready for you to eat the results of in one lifetime, they come together into a particular form that is called prarabdha. And prarabdha karma is what causes you to be born. So it's that group of karmas that will then cause you to be born at a certain place, at a certain time, to a certain family, And that's what you are looking at when you look at the birth horoscope. So your prarabdha karma is 
what you have brought in with you. And some of these karmas are fated to give you a particular result. Some of these karmas may not give you a very big result, and you may be able to do something about it by performing karma during this lifetime. And so therefore, for certain things, there are karmic remedies. We call them by the Sanskrit word upaya. And sometimes these karmic remedies can make enough of a difference that things will change. For example, Vimalananda, my mentor, used to say, suppose that you are destined to have a rock fall on your head. That karma is going to happen either to you or to maybe, and this is a big maybe, to someone who knows how to manipulate karma, who might take that karma from you and have the rock fall on his head. But how many people know how to manipulate karma <laughs> and how many people want to have a rock fall on their head? <laughs> Not so many. So he said, the next thing you have to think about is the size of the rock. If it is a one gram rock, you may not even feel it. If it is a one ton rock, you may not even feel it. The difference is the one gram rock, you will continue to live. The one ton rock will just smash you and you'll be dead. If it is a one kilo rock, it could give you a concussion, a skull fracture. It could damage you substantially. So if you do an upaya well, you may be able to reduce the size of the rock and you may be able to get a helmet. And then if you put on the helmet and you have reduced the size of the rock, maybe down to half a kilo, maybe down to a quarter of a kilo, it will still hit you on the head, but it will hit the helmet. Maybe you will have a headache. Maybe you'll have a ringing in your ears for a while, but at least it will not kill you, it will not damage you irrevocably because you have done something to change the result. Or suppose a car is destined to hit you because you're going to be at a certain place at a certain time. But if you're able to change, to influence by your remedy, the situation so that you move just one centimeter to the right or the left, then that car may pass you, even though you were both still in the same place at the same time, but you have moved just far enough that it does not actually hit you, or it just, it hits you a minor glancing blow that does not do any major damage. So there is definitely reason to try to improve on your karmas, even if you can't completely avoid the karmic experience, the karmic reaction entirely. So for all those people who do not believe in karma, maybe it's better for them to actually buy a helmet or something. Or have their chart read so that they also can find out which helmet to buy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, and we have one final, uh, final question. Um, if we could have a chat with Saturn right now in this age with a lot of um, fears 
many people live with fear. What would Saturn tell us? If Saturn were to be our life coach, and nowadays everyone has a coach helping them to navigate through difficulties and maybe the qualities of discomfort, of, of Saturn, right? Discomfort and suffering. What if Saturn was our life coach? What, would he, what kind of advice would he give us to today? Well, <laughs> I, and, and of course, I am speaking from my perspective. Saturn himself might have a different, <laughs> might have a different commentary. But you know but him what, pretty well, right? So well, I have, I have, I have gained a little bit of familiarity with him. I think he would say, the reality is that there have always been challenges in life, and you should be number one. You should be thankful that things are not worse because most people, let's say in, in you know, uh, developed countries, they have electricity. My aunt and uncle didn't even have electricity until they were 20 or 30 years old. In the US, you have, uh, you can stay warm without Uh, chopping down uh, trees every day and, and, you know, you have food that is available to you instead of having to go out and, and shoot the deer or grow the plants and hope that the weather does not destroy the plants. Other people have these problems, but you living in a developed country, you don't have that much of a problem. Yes, we don't know what will happen in the future, but we, we can see what has happened in the past. So first of all, we, can, we should be grateful that things are not worse. And second of all, we should think about what we can be thankful for. Because there's always something to be thankful for. One thing to be thankful for is that things are not worse. But another thing to be <laughs> thankful for is we have access to knowledge. I mean, when I started to learn Ayurveda and Jyotisha, If you wanted knowledge, you had to go to somebody who might or might not tell you anything. You had to go to a library where there were a, only a few books and, and you could not ever know whether they were telling you the truth or not, uh, because just because it's written in a book doesn't mean it's actually accurate. Um, and uh, there, there were all, there were, it was much more, Today, we have a different problem. Today, we have too much information. Back then, there was not enough information. So you al there's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a challenge. So what you have to do if you want to adapt to the situation, I mean, how many people would rather, so there was a pandemic. This is not nice. Uh, many people died. Many people got sick. Many people have long COVID, but would you rather have the COVID pandemic where the case fatality rate was 2% or would you rather have the, the Black Plague where the case fatality rate was 25, 30%? Mm -hmm. Even SARS, you know, or MERS, the case fatality rate, 10%, 20%. So which would you rather have? You can be thankful about that. So Instead of worrying about what may happen next, mm. 
consider what are the serious possibilities that might happen next, prepare yourself as best you can, and surrender to reality and, and ask whatever it is you have faith in, whatever God or guru or nature herself or whoever you have faith in, explain to them that you are here and you are alive. You want to be of service to the universe in general. And, and you don't want to get caught up in some situation that is, you would like to avoid getting caught up in some very, uh, very complicated and dangerous situation. And you were willing to try to be disciplined and try to help other people. And if you could avoid getting into a very situa- a serious situation, then that would be nice. But if you get into a very serious situation, then you try to figure out how to deal with it. Um, I went to have been I've I've visited uh, the Netherlands several times to teach. I visited Russia back in 2013. I visited uh, Ukraine back in 2018 or 2019. And uh, so a couple of the, the, the people who invited me to Ukraine, I've heard from a couple of times. And they are taking the attitude that it is a very transformative moment and it's very challenging, but, but they are taking it as a challenge rather than sitting at home wondering, uh, you know, terrified about what to do. So it's, I think it's most important to remember that no matter who you are, no matter where you live, anything can happen at any moment. An asteroid could fall on you from out of nowhere. The first person who, uh, you know, Niagara Falls is a big waterfall in the United States. And there was a guy who put himself into a big barrel and he went over Niagara Falls in a barrel and survived. Mm. The first person ever to do that. And a few years later, he was walking along the street. I don't remember where. He was walking along the street And he slipped on a banana skin and fell down and damaged himself in such a way that after a few days, he died. So he did the most dangerous thing. I mean, plenty of people tried to go over Niagara Falls and they all died. He survived until he happened to slip on a banana skin in a city where he thought he would be safe and died. So... Talking about the, karma. <laughs> there, there you are. You see, yeah. this is yeah. this is what karma is. And remember that they say, Gahana karma no gatihi. The karma moves in a very, very deep and difficult to understand way. Even the gods and goddesses don't understand karma fully. So you don't really understand your karma, no matter how much you think you do. <laughs> so the most important thing is to have faith in something and to acknowledge that you are going to try to be of service to the universe in whatever way you can and acknowledge that at some point you're going to become unwell, you're going to become old, you're going to die and be prepared. You have to be prepared to die at any moment. That doesn't mean jump over Niagara Falls. That doesn't mean go out and ask somebody to shoot at you, (laughs) but it does mean 
to acknowledge whatever your personal reality is, try to live in that reality as best you can and let um, and, 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 and see what happens next. Or as Krishna said in the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, do what you know is your duty according to your personal dharma. Your dharma is the path that you personally need to follow through the world. But never worry about the results from what you do. Assign the results to God and automatically the thing that is the right thing for you, whatever that may be at any moment, is what will happen. So have faith in something and rely on that something to move you into the right place at the right time. And, and then you just have to have faith that whatever happens to you is going to be the right thing. And it will be the right thing as long as you are doing your best to have faith in whatever it is you have faith in. And even when Saturn doesn't like it, a good sense of humor always helps. Well, um, <laughs> Saturn may not have a sense of humor, but we should have a sense of humor. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, because, you know, it, Saturn doesn't have a sense of humor just because he is so, he, he, you, I mean, look at it from his point of view. <laughs> nobody likes Saturn <laughs> because he's bringing to you things that nobody likes. So it's it's not like anybody welcomes him and says, oh, my goodness, thank goodness my Saturn period <laughs> is beginning. I'm really going to enjoy it. Nobody says that. Let me make you some chai. Yeah, yeah exactly. So if you, in fact, you make Saturn some chai and you say, Saturn, nobody likes you, but I'm making you some chai. And I hope you will accept it and at least not be quite so brutal to me. <laughs> then, then that's something you're doing something for him that nobody else will do. Yeah. And that's something that he has to appreciate, even if he only appreciates it a little bit. <laughs> but that little bit may be enough to keep you from being run down by the car or have the, the rock miss you just by this much. Even if it's missed this much, that's it still misses you. That's what's important. Yeah. Well, Beautiful. we really appreciate and are very thankful for uh, for this interview with you, for the yeah. opportunity. And your good sense of humor. And your good sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> As Vimal Ananda said, you can go through life laughing or crying, but laughing is a lot less work and it will make everybody around you a lot happier too. So, and it's free prana. <laughs> and it is, it is, your prana will be free. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Swoboda. Well, yeah, all you. the best to both of you and to your yes. podcast and your listeners. Thank and, you. And uh, we, we, we just have to keep moving forward one step at a time. That's what Saturn does expect. We just keep moving forward through life, doing the best we can and, and adapting to whatever situation we find ourselves in. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Are you feeling lost in space? Book your consultation now to find out more about your astral passport and unique cosmic x-ray. 
Also, feel free to send us suggestions or questions anytime through Instagram or email. Or keep on spacing in this wonderful universe just a little bit longer. See you the next one. I'm gonna send it to